Good morning. I can finally say good morning. I've been dying to say good morning. So good morning. But technically my body is still good evening. But good morning. We did a, we did a personality test um, as, a, as a leadership team. Uh, what was it? End of last year or beginning last year sometime. Like last year sometime. And uh, the guys on our leadership team are it came out in the personality test that they are quite similar, excluding me. Um, they are quite uh, conservative, They're amazing people, but more conservative, more analytical, more processing things. Um, and one of the guys, the guy that actually planted what was Santon City Church uh, 15 years ago, Peter Munnings, um, there's, a, there's a part of this personality test um, they rate your turbulence and how you are emotionally. And his came out, I think it was 4%, 3%. Well, I am 76, and, it's, and it is, it's called concrete random. Um, so when I am random, it's because I've got license to be random. I've got license to be a little bit all over the place. I bet you you've never seen anyone post post-its on their pulpit while they preach. <laughs> So that's how random I am. I, that's just how I process things. And so I, I just love, even this morning when Paul picked me up, he uh, said, Anton, can't you share a couple of stories? And just, I wasn't going to share any stories. And just before I, I left my room, I was just waiting on God. I felt the Lord remind me of a story. But I, I want us to be random this morning. And uh, I've just asked us to, to have a little bit of music in the back. Um, so if you want to close your eyes, you do that. I feel like God really wants to do something in people's hearts, every single person's heart. Um, he wants to meet you where you're at. Um, and this is the random thing that I want us to do. I want you to take off your shoes, if you don't mind. You don't have to. If you want to, you can take off your shoes. Just keep your socks on. There's a reason I want us to take off our shoes. So it's not completely random. <laughs> okay. So when I was 19, I, I just finished school. At, I, was, I finished school at 18. And at 19, um, my dad asked me to go and minister in a country called Mozambique. And I went into a very, very rural area. Very, very rural. Very, it's a little village. Um, when we first went in there, the day I got there, a lot of the children and even some of the teenagers actually ran away because they thought, who is this white man? Um, they just, it's just so rural. So it's just, just, it is really, really rural. It took us 12 hours by car to try and get there. No roads. As a 19-year-old, I was just petrified because I, I, I did this thing all by myself with an interpreter. We went into this area, and uh, we got to this area, and people weren't, were, were, were quite intrigued uh, as to what we were bringing. And I remember the one day, and the reason I'm sharing this testimony is because it was one of the most profound things that, that have ever happened to me, and it was birthed in the waiting. And the one morning, I was, just, I was up just waiting on God, um, I wasn't trying to be any, I wasn't trying to be spiritual, and I just want to set you free here. You don't have to try and be spiritual. You are spiritual. You have a spirit. 
You don't have to try and manufacture anything. Just be. Just be. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest keys that Jesus has taught me in walking in the supernatural is just being who God's created you to be. Just living actually in first person. God created me to be spiritual. And so I'm, I am spirit. I'm, I'm spiritual. And so I can just relax. I don't have to try and be spiritual. I don't have to, I don't have to light candles and play certain music to be spiritual. I can just be spiritual. And so I was just, I was just waiting on God one morning and I was enjoying his presence. And as I was, as I was waiting on God, I felt, I felt the Lord speak to me through, Mo, through what, what, what God said to Moses in the burning bush. God meets with Moses and what, just, I'm going, I'm randoming, I'm randoming. Um, what got Moses' attention was a bush that didn't burn up. It, it, was, it was a supernatural thing. Moses looked at the burning bush, and what got his attention, what, what got his intrigue was, there's something different about this bush. Let me go and see what was happening, because this bush is not burning up. It just kept burning. And my point is this, is that the supernatural is attractive. Yes. It's very attractive. We see it today in movies. We see it today in, in people are attracted to the supernatural. Where there's a counterfeit tells me that there's an original. If there's anything counterfeit, it tells me that there's an original. And I think part of the enemy's tactic in the church today is to try and get the church from completely not acknowledging the supernatural, not acknowledging that there is a spiritual realm. And so he's, he's teaching our children, the enemy, teaching our children that there's the supernatural. But in church, we've got to have everything calculated. We've got to have everything organized. We've got to have proper rows. We've got to, everything is calculated. When you look at scripture, you see the supernatural. He is a supernatural God, a supernatural God. He's not, he, He's so much bigger than our thinking. He's so much bigger than what we can process. Yeah. And so Moses, the burning bush, I felt the Lord speak to me about Moses. And one of the first things that God said to Moses is he said, Moses, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. I want to say to you today, the place where you're standing is holy ground. It's holy ground. God often calls us to act prophetically in the natural to do something supernatural. And so I was in this place just waiting on God and the floor, it was just mud, it was dirty. I felt the Lord say to me, Anton, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. My analytical self told me, don't. My, my mind told me, don't because my socks were gonna get dirty. It wasn't a carpeted area, it was mud, it was dirty. But I took off my shoes because I knew God was speaking to me. And as I took off my shoes, I felt the Lord say to me, Anton, today you're going to see healings. You're going to see incredible, incredible healings. And I felt the Lord say, okay, put your shoes back on. And I was still busy putting on my shoes. I was still busy doing my shoelaces. The interpreter that traveled with me came to me and he said to me, Anton, there's a man here that he's, uh, it, it, I don't know why this was like this, but this is how it was. He said, there's a man here, his church carried him for 30 kilometers. I don't know how far that is in miles. They carried him for 30 kilometers. He's 30 years old and he's never been able to walk. He's a cripple. And this church believed that God is going to heal him. Can you come pray for him? 
And so based on my encounter with God, I thought, absolutely, God is wanting to bring healing to this man. And so I put my shoes back on and there was a little hut that this, this interpreter led me to and the doors are very small on these little huts. They're not big, very small. There's no electricity. I walked through this little, this, little, uh, this little doorway into the hut. And as I walked into the hut, all faith left me because of what I saw. Sitting against the wall of this hut, there was a man sitting, and he was completely unable to move his neck. His neck was completely frozen stiff. His hips were frozen stiff. He could not move. His leg... I will not exaggerate. His leg was about this much longer than the other one. And I looked at this man and I said, Lord, surely not. I was 19 years old. I've seen God heal. I've seen, but what I saw that day just shook me completely. And I looked at him and I thought, how on earth? What, 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 how is this even possible? And I went, and I don't know why I did this, but I just thought I'll just pray this, a sweet little Christian prayer of peace over this man. And as I began to pray, as I put my hand on this man, I felt the Lord say to me, Anton, help this man up. Just help him up. And so I asked Stanley, the interpreter, I said, Stanley, just go to this side of the man. I'll stand on this side of the man. Let's help this man up. And as we helped him up, the power of God came into the room like a bolt of lightning and hit the man from the top, went right through his body, and I could not even see his leg growing. And I could not even, uh, I didn't even witness his neck uh, just uh, being healed but it happened so instantly there was a popping there was a snapping and the man was healed for 30 years could not walk it was the power of God and it was birth it happened in the waiting it happened in the, ma- in the, in, in the waiting and I want to say to you the thing on here of, and so this whole weekend has been about waiting I started the, on, on Friday night I said to you the Lord spoke to me about atmosphere he spoke to me about waiting, and he spoke to me about joy. And that's what's happened this weekend. I feel the atmosphere over Border City Church has changed. There's a different atmosphere here. There's an atmosphere of freedom. There's an atmosphere of, 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 of I'm, just, I'm just flowing. There's an atmosphere of the creative that God has birthed in this community. There's an atmosphere of heaven over this community. There's, uh, uh, there's an atmosphere of communication with God. There's not a closed heaven over this community. Yes. I just need to say that. Yeah. And you don't have to try and, you don't have to fast for 40 days to get an open heaven. You have an open heaven. Yes. You have an open heaven because theologically Jesus tore open the heavens for you so that you can walk in this incredible relationship with God the Father. So that's why I share this story. Can you close your eyes? Just random. Let's just close our eyes. I have the great privilege. It's it's the greatest privilege of my life. I've got many privileges. I've got a privilege of being in relationship with Ange. I've got a privilege of, of, of raising beautiful boys. I've got a privilege of leading a church. I've got I, there's many things that I feel privileged to have. But the greatest privilege of my life is to see people and to help people encounter Jesus. That's the greatest privilege of my life. I want you just while your eyes are closed this morning, some of you just sit back in your chairs. Just sit back, just relax completely. 
Just while your eyes are closed, I want you to imagine this room. I want you to picture this room. You know that there's a lot of wood in this room. You know that the the chair that you're sitting on, it's got gray fabric. You know that there's a bright light shining on me right now. You can hear, you can see someone playing the guitar. If you can see all those things with the eyes of your heart, with the eyes of your imagination, just quickly put up your hand. You can see it. Thank you. So you can see all those things right now. I want you to imagine, I want you to picture Jesus in this room. Just begin to picture him in this room. He is here. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? Maybe Jesus is coming and he's coming to sit right next to you. Maybe Jesus is putting his hand on you. Maybe Jesus is whispering something to you. What is Jesus doing this morning? Let's just wait. I feel Jesus is wanting to whisper things into people's hearts here. I feel Jesus wants to remind people of some of the history that that they have with him. While you sit like that, I want you to begin to to think back of some of the most amazing or the most amazing time that you've ever had with Jesus. What's the biggest encounter that you've ever had with Jesus? I want you to think about that. Anton, why are you doing this? I'm doing this because... Often when we reflect on our history with God, it creates an atmosphere around us for God to do something new. You are not meant to experience Jesus once in your life. You are not meant to experience Jesus once a year. You are not meant to experience Jesus only once a month. You're meant to walk with him. You're meant to experience him on a daily basis. I was walking with Jesus one day. Just keep, just, if you want to cl- open your eyes, that's also fine. But if you want, if, if Jesus is ministering to you right now, there's such an atmosphere of heaven over this place this morning. I was walking with Jesus a couple of years ago and I was just imagining what it must have been like to walk with Jesus as one of his disciples back then, one of the 12. And the Lord took me into a vision and I saw his disciples walking with him on dusty little paths, just dusty, dusty little paths and Jesus looking at them, interacting with them. And in my heart, I just became so almost envious, so jealous that they walked with Jesus like that just interacting with Jesus, talking to Jesus. Jesus didn't just talk to them about parables. He interacted with them on daily life. Jesus had a barbecue, a fish barbecue with them on a beach. 
And I looked at this picture that the Lord showed me and I, I became jealous. And then all of a sudden, I saw myself in that picture. And I saw Jesus looking at me, turned around as we were walking on this dusty little path. I saw Jesus looking back at me and he said to me, Anton, you are walking with me. You are walking with me. And I want to say to you, Jesus wants to declare that over every person here this morning. You are walking with me. The problem is, is our awareness of his presence. And so this morning, I just, there's a couple of things that I want to just talk about. I want to talk about the awareness of God's presence. Because there's different levels to the awareness of God. There's different levels to the awareness of God's presence. And the first psalm that I felt the Lord give me this morning is out of Psalm 27. The reason I feel the Lord wanted me to talk, I've I've basically only shared out of the Psalms this whole weekend. And it's because David got this thing right. He just got this thing right about what it means to wait on God, what it means to live a life of of expectation. It's a heart condition. I've said it to someone yet. Uh, I think it was Friday. It's a heart condition. David was a man after God's own heart because David was willing to live vulnerably in the presence of God. God is wanting your heart. He doesn't want your garments. He doesn't want, he doesn't want your money. It's good to give, but he actually, that's not what he's after. This is not about money. This is about your heart. This is about relationship. It's all about relationship. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Listen to this. The Lord is the stronghold. There's that word again, stronghold, refuge, shelter, dwelling. He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Just let let these Psalms just wash over you. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. I just speak to fear in this building. I speak to fear in people's hearts this morning. And I speak with confidence this morning because I know I haven't received the spirit of fear. And so when I say this, I know that I'm not just speaking to circumstances, I'm speaking to the, uh, the very spirit of fear that, is, that has captured hearts in this building. I address fear this morning. And I say to fear, like you have ears, I say, go now in Jesus' name. I feel fear leaving people. Yeah. You, you do not need to fear. You do not need to worry. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Jesus spoke to me a couple of years ago because I was in a place of worrying, 2012. And I felt Jesus say to me, do not worry. And then he, then he added something. He said to me, ever, <laughs> ever. Jesus is declaring over people here this morning, do not worry, ever. He hasn't changed. Do not worry, ever. One thing I ask of the Lord, not one of the things that I ask of the Lord. David says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only thing do I seek. There are many things that I enjoy. There are many things that I love doing, but there's only one thing that I, that I desire. There's only one thing that I crave with all of my heart, and that is this. One thing I do seek that I may dwell There's that word again, dwell, not camp, not visit. I dwell in the presence of God. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, listen to this, and to seek him in his temple. Where does David seek him? He doesn't seek him in the flesh. He doesn't seek him in the natural. He seeks him in the temple of the Lord. How does that happen? David talks about it. I haven't read this psalm over the last three days. This is Psalm 27. We've looked at Psalm 91. We've looked at Psalm 80. We've looked at Psalm 42. We've looked at Psalm 40. This is Psalm 27, and there's this incredible theme. How? How? Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait on the Lord. That's that's verse 14. I've I've run ahead of myself now. But verse 5, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. Listen to this. And he will set me high upon the rock. So in the waiting, there's a strengthening. In In the waiting, there's a change of perspective. We're living on this little rock called planet Earth, but David is saying, no, when I wait upon the Lord, he sets me high upon a rock. Do you want to know who that rock is? The rock is Jesus. My very foundation, my very stability is not, is not planted in this world. My very, my very foundation, my very, my very stability comes from being, being planted upon the rock. His name is Jesus. And so David is saying, whether enemies advance against me, whether an army comes against me, even if I stand completely alone in the natural, I am planted in the rock and I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. And let me tell you what, when you read the Psalms, I've seen this, so, I've seen this time and time again. I look, at, I look at the life of David and I go, David, you're all over the place. You are quite turbulent. You are concrete random. Because right now you're praising the Lord and then over here you're not. But what bridges, what what cancels David's moaning is waiting in the Lord. And the Lord comes and he just, he says, David, you're not here, you planted. How many of us are like that? There we go, not too many. It's just me. I need to hear this message. Then my head, listen, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Because there's a change of perspective. I've seen this so many times. When, When we pray in the flesh, Our prayers are from an earthly perspective. Lord Jesus, please help us. Father God, please help us. Won't you come through for me? Won't you, it's all bless me, keep me. My shopping list, my Christmas list. But when God plants me high upon a rock, my perspective changes and I don't pray from this perspective, I pray from this perspective. Ephesians, I'm seated in heavenly places. My perspective has changed. Do you know when your perspective changes from that to this? You can see what the enemy's doing and you're not rattled. You're not phased. 
Because you can see the enemy is coming from this way and I'll just flank them and take them out from this way. But if I'm completely here in the natural the whole time and I'm not praying from that place, I will feel overwhelmed because I can't even see the enemy coming against me. How does it happen? So, verse 14, I wait for the Lord. And as I wait for the Lord, I'm strong and I can take heart and I continue waiting for the Lord. Yes, Anton, you've only talked about waiting. I, I'm telling you, why? Because there's a grace on this message. And I'm not, it's not my message. This is not my message. I've just clicked, I've, 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 I've seen this. It's so in me that I, I want to help you and I want to say to you, your life will change if you grab this, if you, if you take hold of this message. It's not my message, so I can't take any credit for it. This is what the Lord revealed to David. David lived beautifully. Anton, how can you say that? He committed adultery. He, he caused someone's death. How can you say he lived beautifully? David lived beautifully. And the reason he lived beautifully is because he lived beautifully vulnerable in God's presence. I want to just ask you this question. When did it become okay to try and hide how we're actually doing in the presence of God? I'll tell you why. It's called religion. I've got to try and fix myself before I can come into the presence of God. David just lets it all out. I'm in a mess, Lord. I'm in an absolute mess. But it's your unfailing love. It's because of your unfailing love that I can yet praise you. I can praise you. I can worship you. I can live in your presence. When did it become okay? To try, and, to try and hide how we are actually doing in the presence of God. It's religion that has told you, first fix yourself and then come into God's presence. No. God, let me finish before you jump on me. God is okay with your mess. He's not rattled by our mess. He's not rattled by all the difficult things that we are going through. All that He wants is He wants your yes. He wants your agreement. He wants you to come to a place of taking heart. Actually, he is so good. And he's saying, I'm aware of your mess. I just want your yes. That rhymed. That's rap right there. I'm aware of your mess. I want your yes. Just that. Some of you are going to leave here today. You're going to wait on God. And you're going you're to wait on God, aware of your mess, being vulnerable in God's presence, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to experience a freedom that you've never had before. Yes. You're going to look different tomorrow at work because you've been walking around with this incredible weight of your mess. And when you wait on the Lord, you're going to cast off that weight. And tomorrow, you're going to start looking differently. God's going to begin to change even your neurological pathways and you're going to begin to change the way that you think about life. Just quickly, close your eyes. Just quickly close your eyes. What is, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is my attitude towards God? What is my attitude towards the relationships that I find myself in? And thirdly, what is the attitude that I have towards myself? 
Because the enemy has come and he's given you a lie in every of those three areas. If your attitude towards God is God is angry with me all the time, you're going to live a life of fear. If your attitude towards people around you, the relationships that you find yourself is, well, I need to guard myself the whole time because I don't want to get hurt again. Guess what? You're going to live in isolation. If your attitude towards yourself is, I'm not good enough, guess what? You will live a life of feeling rejected. God wants to replace every lie and he wants to give you the truth. Number one, the truth about God is that he is a good father and he loves you. Number two, your relationships that, that, uh, that you find yourself in, the truth is God wants you not to live in isolation. He wants you to live in community. And he wants you to honor the work of the Holy Spirit within community. And thirdly, God made you unique. God made you unique. And I just feel like Jesus wants every person here to replace lies with truth. Because that's when freedom comes. Psalm 42. I just want to go back there. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. There's a, there's a hunger, there's a desire that is seen in the psalmist here. It's an incredible desire for the presence of God. D.L. Moody, he said something like this. He said that if I can get a man or a woman to sit waiting on the Lord and looking at the condition of their hearts just for five minutes, if I can get them just to sit for five minutes and be quiet, he said, any person, any person, saved or unsaved, he said, if I can get them just to sit for five minutes and to be quiet and wait and look at their own condition of their soul, I will get them saved. Why? Why? Because God wants to reveal himself to mankind. He wants to. As a deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen to this. When can I go and meet with God? This is, this is David writing. He says, when can I go and meet with God? I, 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 feel like, I feel like for the church today, God is saying the same thing. And he's saying, when will my people come and meet with me? David prays and he says, when can I go and meet with God? But I believe God is, is asking the church this question today. The church, not, not just border city, but the church globally is asking this question. When will my people come and meet with me? Not just sing to me. Not have all their flashy lights and call it worship. And I love that. It's not that I don't. Not have all their church programs. No. When will my people come and meet with me? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? This is what David says. These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Verse five, 
Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Listen to this. Put your hope. That word hope is the word yahol. I put my hope. I put my yahol. That word yahol is to, is to wait with an expectation that God is wanting to meet with me. That's what it is. I put my hope. I put my yahol in the Lord Most High. I put my waiting in the Lord Most High. And as I put my waiting in the Lord Most High, He inclines His ear to me. He listens to me. He hears my prayer. He puts me high upon the rock. I've said all these things again, but I'm saying it again and again and again because if you get this, things are gonna change. They have to. So what happens in the waiting? There's five things that the psalmist tells us happens in the waiting that I want you to take note of. Number one, we've talked about it. And I'm not going to elaborate on this again. But number one, in the waiting, the stillness of the Holy Spirit is settled in us, is established in us. The stillness of the Holy Spirit is in us. The second thing that happens in the waiting is David writes in Psalm 42, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and put and out of the mud and mire. He set my feet high upon the rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. The second thing that happens in the waiting is freedom. It's freedom. He takes me out of the mud and the mire. He takes me out of my mess. The third thing that happens in the waiting is he brings stability. He brings stability. Just while, it, just if we can close our eyes again. He brings stability. I don't know what, what your, your upbringing was like. Maybe there wasn't any stability. Maybe your parents never expressed their love towards you. Maybe your testimony is a testimony of a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. And there wasn't ever any form of stability. Lord Jesus, I thank you that even as we stand here and as we sit here today, that as we wait upon you, 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 you bring us to a place of stability. I just declare that over people this, this morning. If that's you, just while every eye is closed, if that's you, I just want you just to quickly raise your hand. Just let me know. Father, thank you for that. You can put your hand down. Father, thank you. Thank you. I thank you for, for stability in every hand that has gone up this morning. Number four, what happens in the waiting? In the waiting, the new is unleashed. The new is revealed. I, I, I often say to Ange, it's very difficult for the church today to compete with the world that we live in when it comes to, 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 the, to the creative, to how we do meetings, it, it's difficult. But let me tell you what, when we become a people that are willing to wait upon the Lord, the Lord will reveal 
the creative. The Lord will reveal a new song. That's what David says here. He puts a new song in my mouth. There are, there are songs wrapped up in people here today that will speak and will testify of the glory of God that will bring change in society and it's locked up. And I believe the Lord is speaking to people here. Mickey, there's, there's the creative in you that will bring freedom over people and the Lord is saying to, to us here today, wait on me. When will my people come and wait? Because when they wait, I will release the new. There are, there, are, there, are, there are things that God has called Border City Church to do in this city that has never been done before. But you will not walk in those things if you don't wait. Because the Lord wants to release the new. I said to Paul and Minda, it's, and, and this is a big struggle for many church leaders. Is it is easy for church leaders to look at other churches and to think and to feel this pressure to do what they are doing. Well, they sing this song, we should sing that song. They've got these banners, we should have those banners. We they've they do this on social media, we should do this on social media. I want to say to you, God wants this community to be unique. And when you begin to dare into the uniqueness of what God has placed upon this community, you're going to draw people like never before because it's different, it's authentic, it's a new song, it's a new prayer, it's a new praise. And God's grace will be upon it. How much time have I got, Paul? How much time have I got? Don't, don't, don't say to me, I'm fine. I've been in a three, four hour meeting. Okay. So I felt I need to do this. There are different levels of awareness of God's presence. And it's taken from Ezekiel 47. And I'm not gonna read the entire chapter, but I'm gonna ask you to do that in your own time. There's different levels of awareness to God's presence. Ezekiel's taken into a vision, and in, in this vision, there's a man with a measuring line that comes to Ezekiel, and he shows Ezekiel the river of God. And just to paint a picture, in the river of God, there's life. Outside the river of God is religion. In the river of God, there's life. Is Border City Church going to be a, a church that will live outside the river or is Border City Church going to be a church that will live in the river? It's a question. And it's not a trick question. What do you want? Do you want to be a people that live in the river or do you want to be a people that live on the side of the river? Just watching what God is doing. I want to be in the river. I want to not be in control. I want God to be in control of how I do church. But guess what? It's uncomfortable. God will stretch you. God will at times say to you, take off your shoes when there's snow on the ground. And it's not to try and be weird. It's being spirit-led. Okay? So the first level of awareness to God's presence is the man says to Ezekiel, let's walk. Let's walk 530 meters into the river. Take some, 
I think it is a thousand cubits, cubits, I don't know how you pronounce it, cubits. But a thousand cubits is about 530 meters. Come a, thou, come a thousand cubits, 530 meters into the river with me. And where does Ezekiel find himself? He finds himself in a place of being ankle deep. Most of the church today have ventured into, into what I would call being ankle deep in the river of God. For the exception of some revivals that have broken out on the earth today, most of the church will only ever venture into ankle deep. What is ankle deep? It's coming to church and just being God conscious. Just God conscious. This is a holy place. We're singing good songs. There's a little bit of interaction with other believers. And I know that God's here. That's wonderful. Or what, is, what, what does ankle deep look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, I wake up in the morning and I say my prayer and I know that God's with me. It's great. It's wonderful. And there's awareness of God's presence. But guess what? There's more. There's so much more than just coming to church on a Sunday. There's so much more. So that man leads Ezekiel another 1,000 cubits, another 530 meters into the river. Where does Ezekiel find himself? He finds himself knee deep. Just by the way, one of the greatest hindrances to being ankle deep is the fear of man. Is the fear of man. God wants to break the fear of man. I'll, I'll come to church and I will become God conscious and God might even drop a word for someone here in my heart. But I'll never release that word. I won't go and encourage that person because I'll be scared of what they're going to think of me. Maybe I get it wrong. The fear of man. The fear of man stops most churches from going any deeper. And God wants to break that over this community. God wants to break it over the church. Second level of awareness is knee deep. What happens in knee deep? It's where we begin to walk in soul freedom, where we begin to, where our minds are beginning to be set free. The biggest hindrance to to living a life knee deep is what? Is analytical thinking. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and process this thing. Is I'm beginning to see visions. I'm beginning to become aware of the angelic. I begin to become aware of the demonic. And the Lord took me in this. The one day I was walking in a shopping center and there was a parking lot where you park your car and they give you a little ticket and then you've got to go and after you shop, you've got to go pay for your ticket. And there was this long line and I was so aware. I was where I would, I was ankled. I was, I was knee deep in my awareness of God's presence. And as I was standing in the line, the Lord began to just... Uh, capture my attention to what was happening around me and there was a man that came and stood behind me also wanting to pay for his ticket and, and, I, and I just felt I needed to turn around and as I turned around like this he began to growl at me growl why? because there's a manifestation of the spirit and when there's a manifestation of the spirit demons have to leave they have to leave because God desires freedom over people that's, and that's only knee-deep. That's only knee-deep. Guess what? There's more. When you knee-deep, you become, you become more aware of the spiritual realm. You begin, you begin to become more aware 
of angelic activity. You become, you become more aware of just supernatural things. It started a little bit today, but when you knee deep, what happens is you begin to have manifestations. There's gold, there's, there's oil. I've been in meetings where my hands have dripped oil, just dripped oil. That's knee deep. But the greatest hindrance to knee deep is analytical thought because I'm going to have to try and process this thing. So ankle deep, it's the fear of man. Knee deep, it's analytical thought. There's more. God, or the man, leads Ezekiel 530 meters deeper into the river. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? This river isn't a little stream. This river is, is a massive river. 530 meters, 530 meters, 530 meters, 530 meters. We picture the river of God, the life of God, to be contained in the four walls of church. You cannot contain the life of God. You just can't. So he leads me to, so I was, I was, I was knee deep, to waist deep. What happens waist deep? This is an amazing place to be. Most of the church have never even been there. And you can be there. Waist deep is incredible. It's incredible. Waist deep is where you not only have soul freedom, where your mind has been set free of, of analytical thought, but now you, begin to, now you begin to experience physical freedom. It's where, where mass healings begin to break out. It's where, it's, it's where you are caught up. We caught up, like John, in, on the island of Patmos. In the Lord's day, I'm in the spirit. It's Paul being, being taken. It's, 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 it's where, where, you begin to, where you begin to transport, where you begin to have these incredible encounters. And I'm, I, I'm freaking some people out here, but I, so I'm not going to go any deeper. <laughs> but, it's, it, but the greatest... Adam and Eve, by the way, Adam and Eve, by the way, I believe, lived in there, where there's just this incredible physical freedom where they weren't even aware of their natural senses. It was all spiritual senses. It was only after the, fall of, after the fall that they realized that they were naked. This, yeah, I won't go any deeper in that. What's the greatest hindrance to living waist deep? It's itself. It's the flesh. And then there's this fourth area, which is incredible. This fourth area of awareness to God's presence is where we are completely over our heads. I cannot even swim. I'm just sinking in the presence of God. I'm just in this river. I find it interesting that the man in this vision with Ezekiel had to lead Ezekiel out of the river. Why? Because Ezekiel couldn't even get out the river himself. He had to be led out of the river. And so my point to all of this very simple, is that there is more for this community. There's more for the church. There's more for the church.